Hey everybody, welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef program from the creators of Read It and Weep, continuing on with our Seattle rewatch season. This is episode 9 of season 10. I'm Alex, hanging out in Los Angeles with Megan. Hello. And we are joined in Northern California by Ez and Sarah and Spies in Disguise. Hello, Spies. Um, also joining us from Brooklyn, New York, it's Tanya and Chris Master Bladesmith. Hey, hey. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, new Sarah and Kyle are safely back. Uh, welcome back, guys. Thanks for doing that reporting trip for us. Oh, yeah. We're happy to be there. And I, I'm just happy to say that I do share the pickles. I'm that type of guy. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you're just, you're just a giver. And please ignore you bodying everybody else out of the kitchen and yeah. uh, stealing all the ingredients you want. Wait to talk about this pickle jar later. Uh, <laughs> okay, going to happen this episode. Um, before we start about that, um, I was trying to think of a, an opening question that was inspired by this week's episode. The only thing I came up with was how much should it cost per inch? And that's not great. Um, oh. But, um, oh, wait, now I remember. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will just say, I guess then, before, I just want to quick note that before we start, that Megan and I, in honor of last week's episode, did eat some soggy tempura this week. Oh, oh good. Wow. Wow. Blessings on blessings. Yeah. Uh, how, how was it? It was soggy. Yeah. It turns out you can't, that frozen tempura doesn't crisp up like you'd, you'd imagine on the, by no. looking at beautiful picture on the front even if you've tried that product before and it didn't work the last time you're like that picture is very good i'm sure it'll be great this time i was this like did you microwave from frozen we we Uh, baked from frozen yeah it was it was baked it was a it was a trader joe's product yes uh, excellent photography um yeah it was one of those where we i was in the grocery store and they're out of my regular frozen thing that i make on fridays sometimes and so I was like, I think we tried this before and we didn't like it, but let's try it again. (laughs) This is what Chris and I refer to as frozen roulette. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Everybody gets something. We've (laughs) we've never won frozen roulette, but we keep playing. Um, All right. So this week's episode, uh, episode nine, uh, is uh, the big uh, return of classic quickfire uh, mise en place relay today modified for guest judge Bob Kramer, Master Bladesmith from Seattle. Um, Seattleites, were you familiar is with Bob Kramer? Yes, he is. Yes. That should tell you everything you need to know about that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you answered the question already. But um, I, mean, I was like, no. Oh. I mean, knives yeah. are important, so I wasn't like balking at whether or not Bob was a Seattle man, but did not know he was he a sells, Seattle man. He sells fancy kitchen knives for $500 per inch, which actually um padma was it was like one of the better slow rolls i've seen where she said for five hundred dollars and everybody was not impressed and she paused just long enough to let them be not impressed and then said an inch and they all went what yeah could, could you get though any size you want like could i get like a quarter inch uh like knife <laughs> nope <laughs> well i you know so i was, I was poking around bob kramer's website Bladesmith, and he, as much as it seems like it would be fun for you to um cheat the system it seems like it's really not about the knife exactly like his fancy knives are like also there's an inlaid marble whale in the middle of this knife like it's a full whale i don't want that i'm not paying, paying, paying for the metal <laughs> I also, I got to say, as a profession, like, chefery, because that's what it's called, is not, like, 
well-paying. So it's a little mm. weird to me that it's like the best of the best pay way too much for this knife. Like who exactly yeah. are these people? And like those people have, uh, I believe what was referred to as people for that shit. So like, are <laughs> they obsessed with how sharp their knife is? Are they yeah. doing Shelf that much like prep work? I mean, yeah, but this is also like, you know, a, sh- a chef's knife is the knife that, you know, these guys would use for, their primary knife for everything they do professionally you know right i guess i just feel like there's a disconnect but i I totally agree my wild guess and this is why the whale stuff and the other inlaid designs my guess is these are like early microsoft investors and passionate home cooks yeah that's my guess these are molecular gastronomists these are people who have a lot of like hemp ropes laying around and they love to do demos before you get to the you can sharpen anything to be that sharp it's about how long it holds that edge i just on the other hand bob hates rope and he sure taught it was that day um Uh, i know one person who for sure has a full set of these knives and it's philip franklin lee Oh, <laughs> uh, he was on like the Top Chef California. He was the one who had like three restaurants that he was so proud of. But he's yeah, he's sort of yeah. like he yeah. and like, on a rock. On a rock. Yeah, 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 not on a rock. Oyster. Yeah, but he also is like a very successful chef in the LA area. But he specialized in like the most expensive sort of tasting experiences where these like slicing sashimi right in front of you. So like he's the type of dude that's exclusively going to have those knives so that everything you see looks like the most expensive experience. Well, um, I will tell you a little bit more from Bob's website that I thought was really nice. It was a little cute was his start because he mentioned his origin story where he was a chef and he moved into knives, which is kind of a weird move. Um, But he was saying he was like always having trouble with his knives and he noticed that other so he like tried to learn how to sharpen really well and then he noticed no one else had good sharp knives so he says i bought a ticket traveled around the country in search of the um different experts so, so i could learn the art of sharpening when i returned to seattle i bought an old mail truck and i started a sharpening business driving around in that truck from restaurant to restaurant and i would say give me your most damaged knife and if i can't make it better than when you first got it new you don't have to pay and I always got paid. Confidence. So he's kind of like a, he's got kind of a little bit of like that hustle energy that I think is kind of fun. Okay. He does. By the way, do, do you guys in either LA or the Bay Area, did you guys ever have like knife sharpening trucks come around? It's sort of like bougie adult um, ice cream trucks where all of a sudden everybody brings out their, their knives. No, and, not till I like we, we have one of those in Brooklyn. Oh yeah, it's great. There's, There's one in the farmer's market. market. Yeah, we go to the farmer's I, market. Yeah. The next step up of... Or step in down. There was a knife sharpening, sharpening guy who uh, were like hung out in the coffee shop that I did a comedy show in, and so he would do knife sharpening before the comedy show. Scary. So he would come, drop off the knives, and he would do that, and you'd watch comedy, Just and then the you'd stakes a little bit. Like, please be funny. Yeah, you know, everyone in the audience has knives, and they're sharp. Yeah, one guy has all of their knives. It's the safest place to be because we know they t- all their knives were confiscated. It's great. It worked well. Anyway, no one ever got stabbed while I was there. Anyway, um, so the, <laughs> let's move into the challenge. So inspired by Bob Kramer, this modification on the uh, Mise en Place relay is very knife-focused. So this time it's in three rounds, three teams. First round, you have to sharpen the dullest knives they could get up to the point where it can cut paper. Um, the Only the fastest two teams move on to turn A, 50 potatoes. Only, only one team moves on from their little footballs and then they have to compete individually to break down in French a rack of two rabbits 
And then the winner gets a Bob Kramer knife. And if it's not Sheldon, it's really sad. So that's yeah, what happened. Sheldon. I want, I want the best things for Sheldon. He's so yeah. cute. He's so cute. <laughs> he wanted this so bad. He was the most excited about this guest. Yeah. And then he got so close. Um, also, bonus rule. If you cut yourself with a knife that you sharpened, you are immediately DQ'd. <laughs> Josie. Josie thought she would taste that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that rule. That that was like my favorite addition. To I think, it, yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I don't hate it as an all the time rule because in general there's too much bleeding near cooking on this show i think that's just a little bit too much verisimilitude there's probably more bleeding around cooking than you're prepared to accept mm. yeah i don't think anyone wants to know so when you much look at just like the hands forward. of people who work in kitchens like oh, yeah. the amount that they have to have bled all over everything in yeah order to their hands look at how readily they all just sweat you know yeah. uh, i have a weird story <laughs> about this <laughs> As our most experienced in the in the restaurant world, uh, I worked at a hotel restaurant for a while in Chicago when I first moved there, and like it was like the type of like nice re- hotel where like to just be a server, I had to go to like a corporate uh, training that's like housekeepers, front office staff, chefs, waiters, everyone's yeah. there, and like there's it was this whole thing about like general safety and hotel like history and procedure, and like one thing was like what do you think is the least safe job in this restaurant or in the uh, hotel? And like someone said, like chefs uh, and like, it's, it wasn't that it's actually housekeepers cause they're, they could get sick with anything they touch, but they were talking yeah. about like chefs and like the, the new pastry chef was sitting next to me. Uh, and like, even the pastry, I was like, yeah, I cut myself all the time making pastries. Yep. Oh man. Yep. Like, even even like the simple the like softer side of cooking it's yeah. like answer ribbons yeah you're dicing butter my dude like <laughs> it's supposed to be softened a lot of the time too so it shouldn't be that hard yeah not for short um, crust not for short crust oh you're right yeah, you're and right. also the amount of like extremely hot things you have to interface with when you're baking oh yeah burns like, like forearm burns. Burns. yeah you're yeah. going to have your forearms are going to get singed Ooh, i made snickerdoodles yesterday and i got a forearm burn <gasps> oh that's a is a yeah, snicker a burner. Yeah. Burn a do- no, is it burno doodle? A burno doodle. <laughs> That's a dog. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so the uh, uh, green team of Stefan, Lizzie, and Brooke was eliminated on the sharpening round. Um, yeah. Because Brooke, uh, apparently. Yeah, Brooks wasn't as sharp as you'd expect. Um, She's a gentle grind. And then, <laughs> and then um, in the like turnays round. Um, <laughs> Josie was eliminated for cutting herself, and thus John and Kristen were not able to continue on. Although, just between John and Kristen, they got pretty far. They did good, but yeah. not quite. Yeah, they got really close for only they two would people. Have won with full. I don't want to skip over the part where John called for oh. check before everyone said they were ready, and, and then, then his, he was the only one not ready. Was the one that wasn't ready. That's that true. Was... That's an early villain point for John, who really made us a, a sprint for that prize today. It's a good karma, karma point also for like just fairness in the, in the world. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was well. bookended by, by fairness winning. Uh, <laughs> it is true. We love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> love justice. Even um, though Sheldon's turnays looked like, I don't know, cylinders. Bad. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting on this. This is like a classic of the Museum Plus Realize. Like how much of a stickler are they going to be? Because even on John's paper, it was like, well, he cut halfway through the paper, but not cleanly at the end it yeah. seemed like that guy you was tell that, uh, 
Dr. Mr. Kramer uh, cares more about knife sharpness and hating on rope than he does the precision of a turn A. I think mm-hmm. that is true, for sure. Yeah. What did you guys think about this version, including knife sharpening but having no cooking? I kind of liked it a lot. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know. It, it just, like, it, it felt uh, like it was a lot of rules in a way that was enjoyable for me. Uh, like, it, it kind of, and they all kind of, like, made sense together, I guess, where it's like, hey, it's about, about good, good, good sharp knives that don't, that only cut things you want to cut. And uh, it felt, it felt like the, you know, the labyrinth, Thine, I guess, a uh, uh, set of rules was like it, it all pointed to the same thing. It, it made sense. I, I, I don't, I don't need well, that. You like the a long explanation from Padma. Yeah, I do. I want, I want like sort of like a, um, uh, like it's what was that the, the Nickelodeon like the the Legends of the Hidden Temple thing where it's like you know first this, but then also this, but don't do this, and then this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the, ch- the Hidden I, Temple. I like the challenge more without cooking, but I would. Like as like a a required thing and all the mise en place challenges and things like this is like there's just a shot of them like all right now you guys just cook for the crew like just like a oh, one yeah. minute interstitial of them like co- doing something with all these hundred tornado potatoes and fresh yeah, rabbits so many- they did fresh yeah. a bunch of rabbits <laughs> they sure did the dish is yeah. three quarters potatoes and one quarter tiny little rabbits yeah. Uh, it would be it would be just so many more potatoes than than tiny rabbit ribs. It'd be a very strange portion. Or if they were uh, back in like eighth and all of uh, instead of making uh, healthy choice steamers, they were just cooking a ton of potatoes for themselves. Yeah. Hey, would you like one? And then he throws a bowl with forty potatoes into the microwave. Um. uh, Also, we got to get a little bit more of Micah, where he said that for some reason, breaking down little bunnies is a Zen moment for him. So, and Josh kind of said funny. it was like breaking down a cat. Breaking down a cat. Yep. <laughs> that I mean, I I, it was obviously a joke. A joke. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think there's a still that's a still a half villain point each. I think. I think. I think he gets a half villain point for sure because, like, even if that's a joke, the fact that your brain was able to build that joke, like, you had to know something that I don't know to construct that. I give you half a point. I think that's just hill country sense of humor. <laughs> yeah i guess i didn't think it was that like dastardly no it's not that dastardly unless you see him do it but it was still like it was just that other people weren't in 100 percent that it was a joke right away yeah um yeah um also uh uh stefan uh complained that he had not won anything including a knife he also said he's not won even an apple or a bag of chips thus far and i, I would mean, just like to recommend you check out craft services which almost certainly has apples and chips if that's not winning you know but you didn't win it so what does it even matter you got selected to be on a show where there's free chips you know that would have been fun if they had invited tim from tim's cascade chips because i feel like that is a northwest christmas where's tim where tim oh my god i want to meet tim someday and like shake his hand and be like thank you for helping me through a lot of times but oh my god i just lisped so hard specifically 2020 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you've been eating the chips pretty hard the tim's chip <laughs> yeah the inside of my mouth is cut to ribbons but i love those chips. <laughs> those are yeah, some harsh sharp chips those chips have regionally these are these are regional brands agenda. and they uh they're they're sharp but they're delicious they That's... don't love a soft palate and you just have to eat them anyway because they're tim's, so good tim's chips as strong as the cascades themselves yep. yes <laughs> truly 
it is a um, regional chip brand owned by Pinnacle Foods out of New Jersey. So I'm assuming other people have. Oh, dang it. Now. Well, you know, I was um, I was so heartened to find out that Rancho Gordo is owned by a dude named Steve Gordo. Because <laughs> we subscribe to his um, uh, quarterly bean club and there's a newsletter oh. and everything. Oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Oh, man, guys, so, if you want to get in here, please do. Oh, yeah. Arms oh, wide it, open. Yeah. How but, many Corona beans? I've not heard of the Heirloom Bean Company. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Kyle. What was the question? Uh, how many bags of Royal Corona beans do you have? Oh, we ate some delicious Royal Coronas just last night. It was oh. fantastic. I, I did uh, uh, grilled some zucchini and grilled the bread as well and had some beans and, and stuff. Beans on toast. Beans on toast. It was oh delicious. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't a believer, but now I am. Yeah. Um, all right. Rancho Gordo Heirloom Beans Subscription Club available. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I assume that because Gordo. of that, that there actually is a Tim, you know, that, that we could I wanted to meet. believe there was a Tim. And I also and wanted to believe that he lived near the Cascades, which clearly Pinnacle yeah. Foods of New Jersey. <laughs> he lived near the Cascades and grew the hottest food. jalapeno chips that there ever were. <laughs> there, is Tim. there is a Tim. Guys, I found him. Yeah, oh, thank goodness. His name is Tim Kennedy. And he's from Auburn, Washington. Yes, oh, he Tim, is. Tim, bless your heart. Yeah. He is, looks like just a dad. It's great. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he yes, does. Yes, yes. Uh, this is what I wanted. I want to meet Tim at a barbecue and have him tell me all about frying potatoes. Speaking of things that weren't in this episode. I want to make this too much a regional fight, but I, I love Tim's Cascade chips. But Oregon's, Oregon's local kettle brand chips are, I think, slightly better. I will fight you forever, but we we have to keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this could be a whole a podcast unto itself. Okay. Oof, I don't um, don't even say things like that. Like you just won the argument. You stop just, it. You, <laughs> <laughs> um, moving along to the elimination challenge today. Um, uh, you have nothing that has anything to do with Seattle anymore. We're no, done. Nothing. Time to celebrate this being the 10th season and pat ourselves on the back by going through uh, looking at a memorable moment from each of the previous nine seasons preloaded on your Kindle Fire. I believe the Kindle Fire. Yeah, yeah, Kindle Fire. Oh, that's true. You're right. I did say. uh, That's the tie-in. Yes. Seattle's chief export, Kindle Fires. (laughs) (laughs) Here's one of the many problems I had with this challenge. Uh, the food, the, the moments picked were memorable, which meant it was a lot of like the fights from the very messy early season. Yes. But it wasn't memorable doesn't mean good. Yeah. And it's nothing at all about the food and the challenge specifically, like they didn't do them any favors by picking the moments that they did. No, there's just some weird moments. So they, and they have to take those moments and, and make them healthier. But in the sometimes top chef way where healthier means meh. We don't really know. No measuring, no objective standards. Nobody's punished for being. Um, I guess Stefan is in the middle for his visible greasy soup and with yeah. grilled cheese that is not. Ugh. Yeah. Also, we were um, talking about how, like, what healthy meant, you know, almost 10 years ago compared to now. Like, it seems like everyone just tried not to use butter. Whereas I think yeah. that these days, that would not be necessarily the measure of healthy, right? Yeah. We've kind of done a totally turnabout great. on fat. Yeah. So, Although something that's true even now is that there's nothing that'll clean you out like a unfresh scallop. <laughs> is that nature's help? Is cleanse. That <laughs> nature's cleanse. Just find a scallop that's gray and just see where it takes you. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. Um, sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. <laughs> 
um the uh yeah um what oh i wanted to like talk about some of the minute or some of the the moments so uh, the, oh, the winning dish, though, uh, for the healthier version, gets fifteen thousand dollars, and to have their brilliant cookery ruined by healthy choice. It, no, yeah. it will serve as the inspiration. Right, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Well, so guys, you know. we're gonna get like salmon roe into the healthy choice. Totally. Or how, I'm, well, can you, you imagine be able to reimagine deconstructed pot pie? Is it going to be? I don't know. Reconstructed pot pie. <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine seeing something in a grocery store called a cafe steamer and thinking, "Gotta get that for myself." So I was actually thinking about that. Was can you think back to a time when we were just learning about the influentialness of cafe steamers back when we first saw this in 2012, like <laughs> before it really you know, stormed the world and, and changed really food as we know it. That's that's a great the, the steamerverse that we are now living in. <laughs> the steamerverse. <laughs> Oh uh, man. yeah, what an innocent time we lived in back then. Fun, it's Eight years strong in the steam reverse. <laughs> so um some some of the moments. Season one uh Josie is cooking season one, uh Tiffany's roast chicken and root vegetable from the first restaurant wars that involved a large fight afterwards, um, in which uh Dave Martin says a bunch of things to her that I would not say in 2020. Um, but he did in 2012. Um season or back even more, whenever that was 2002. Anyway, season two. Uh, Stefan is cooking um, Betty's Bada Bing Tuscan Portobello Melt. I don't remember this at all, but it was a firehouse <laughs> challenge. Um, a couple of these early season fights just made me like comparing these Sad. early season fights with like season nine, uh, season, season 10 was pretty bad. No, uh, eight. Uh, yeah, eight. Uh, Carla's very happy pot pie mm-hmm. just made me want to never go back to the first four seasons. No, yeah. um, it was so right. much fighting. Is awful. I mean, that's where uh, that the Heather Habreleski Glad Rage Pantry name came from because they really that was all they did in the Glad Pantry was just yell at each other and drink yep. a lot of wine. Yeah, it was bad, bad. Um, season three, John is cooking Howie's uh, risotto uh, that was really gloopy, and he forgot to put frog legs on the plate, and that really pissed off Anthony Bourdain. Um, Sheldon's cooking season four. Um, Zoe could have. Then Spike's butternut soup. I don't know. It's hard. Uh, there was a fight about carpaccio and soup. Um, that one was really just just yelling for no reason. Um, Lizzie cooking season five, Jamie's scallops, and Fabio saying it's not top scallop. That's a pretty straightforward one, and I think a good quote, a good memorable moment. And um, also, remember when people cook scallops every day? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It was weird. Back before um, the uh, scallop famine of 2017. <laughs> so we ran out of scallops. That's why. We ran out of scallops and just replaced them with terrines every day. But um, <laughs> season six. John, yeah, force meat. Season six, John was cooking Michael Botaggio's bacon dish from the Air Force Base. Which I don't remember. I remember the Air Force Base vaguely. Of all the Voltaggio dishes, why that one? Yeah. yeah I, don't, I think it was because they wanted to have Tom talk about what Padma was wearing. Uh, it, you know, it was a look. <laughs> it was very Vegas. But he also got it wrong. She was like, what yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. And they had the footage to back her up. She was like, I was not wearing a jumpsuit, Tom. And I was like, ooh, what was she wearing? And then they helpfully flashed to a leopard print cocktail dress. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because I feel like a, a jumpsuit would be like way more likely now. Like this like, mm-hmm. this was 10 years ago when, Pat, when Tom could not imagine Padma wearing a jumpsuit. And now it'd be like... We pat. You remember the 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 jumpsuit 
uh, the jumpsuit first. <laughs> the jumpsuit first of 2019. Mm-hmm. Well, I, maybe I, Tom I like was it. actually ahead of things, and he was like, "Well, Podden was very stylish. She was probably setting trends yeah. with That's a great a jumpsuit." Well, <laughs> you know what? If you got a great things, jumpsuit, put it on Padma. Yeah, exactly. It's even, both things are better, but. I think if there's one thing that mm, I can say about that dish in terms of all the other, the Voltaggio verse, if you will, is like trying to make a huge slab of bacon healthy is a challenge. <laughs> did he? Yeah. That, that uh, they did. Did they? Did it work? Um, I don't know. Yeah. He rendered off the fat and just put the, the less oh, fatty yeah, yeah, portion of the bacon. Yeah. He did really well. He made this uh, the roast pork tenderloin. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, now that we have the Voltaggio verse, I can't shake the feeling of like a Top Chef spinoff where it's like anybody can be a Voltaggio. <laughs> oh wait, so it's just it's just like you get to like if you win, you get to be a Voltaggio. Like oh, it's, it's yeah, Voltaggio. It's like everyone discovering that like they have the cooking ability of a Voltaggio, they just need to believe in, in themselves and like commit. Yeah. They, they just need to hate themselves and be mad all the time. Have you seen? Yeah, it? and then you, you put on a wig of that haircut. You know. Yeah, you do have uh, to put that the haircut. You, the haircut is the Spider-Man mask. I like, I like that. that. Um, uh, let's see. Brooke was cooking season seven, which was the pea puree incident, which 100% was not stolen. And it's weird for them to keep playing the stolen pea puree clip and then having Tom blog about how there's definitely was not a stolen pea puree and he doesn't like that they keep blaming him for that. Um so that's weird. Um, and then Kristen cooks season eight, which was Carla's very famous chicken pot pie on a tiny smartphone, tiny oh little God, cell phone yeah. camera um, from Jimmy Fallon, which was a like the I think the only really happy memory in all of this. And then season nine was when Heather bullied Brooke uh, mercilessly, and the show allowed it. For Beverly. Beverly, Beverly, they wouldn't allow it for Brooke. Sorry, that's what I meant. Heather, yeah, Heather bullied a Beverly. And then Micah cooked that and made some duck breast based on it. So those are the memories. You have to healthy them up. One thing I think is kind of overwhelming about this season is just how mediocre the food is. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 yeah there's a lot of clunky looking food. Bunch of cooking. Yeah. Well, you got you to gotta make it quote unquote healthy for I mean, healthy choice. The worse. pinnacle of culinary sophistication. So, I mean, I think Brooke did actually probably the smartest job of making something healthy. She did her smoked salmon dish with forbidden rice. And like, if you don't let people eat the rice, it's going to be so many less calories. Just for you. As. Um, uh, the, I, I like how the chefs are not actually that excited about getting their dish turned into a, a steamer. Like they were like, <laughs> who would ever, <laughs> they couldn't even pretend to be. Um, Let's see. Uh, oh, okay. So then the um, kind of an interesting thing happens where five chefs are brought into. So, yeah, five chefs are brought into the judges table. Uh, Brooke, Kristen, Josh, John and Lizzie. And it's kind of a mean trick because I feel like if you're brought back with Brooke and Kristen, you assume this is the top. So the yeah. fact that this was top and the bottom was a mean, a little bit mean to John and Lizzie. Um, yeah, that that switch to tops and bots was was surprising. <laughs> Yeah, but to be uh, fair, I don't think Lizzie thought she had done a good job. No, that's true. That she is came very in true. And immediately put her face in her hands and said, "It was horrible." <laughs> <laughs> I I remain completely stunned that she made the choice to serve those bad scallops. Like, can yeah. you to a room full of people? I just yeah. 
wow, 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 wow. It just doesn't stop being shocking to me that you would put people's health at risk in that way. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess she gets a little credit from me for knowing that it was bad as opposed to John who was arguing that it was great when it wasn't. But yeah, this is a, specific, a very special kind of bad where like nobody could pretend that it was okay. And it is yeah, such a difference between greasy soup and like shellfish that has gone off like that. Yeah. Those are such yeah. different things in the world of bad food. Like, oof, I just, well, yeah, so that was wild. Because one of the judges suggested just not serving that, bringing out the salad and saying, oh, the scallops went bad. Do you think that they would not send no. her home for that? <laughs> suck too i don't yeah. think there was a great solution here i just don't think you can serve rotten food and be like well i just had to like i just yeah. that just doesn't yeah. feel defensible to me well this is like when tj uh or when cj made his burger with pickles like it's a classic situation of tom would have said you should have just not put the scallops on the plate but if she didn't do that he'd be like you didn't make scallops yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's something, there's fault to find there too. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like the pivot that um, I forget was Wiley who said, like, yeah, you could just like be inspired by the scallop and then have the salad or whatever. Yeah. That is much more confident. Oh, that's true. That's a um, famous moment. You, yeah. I mean, I maybe there was something you could put together from pantry yeah. items, but maybe Probably she was screwed either way once she opened that bag and realized Whole Foods sold her dead scallops yeah and do i have way more confidence in for instance the most recent seasons crop of all-star chefs to somebody to be able to do that yeah i mean i I just don't think that's that's a pretty you know all-star chef move as opposed to a middle of the pack chef move oh you know what we did forget some important seattle representation in this meal uh the top chef super fans who were (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure maybe, you know what, maybe they are lively and delightful in their own homes. But I got to say some big dull duds <laughs> on right. camera. But, but guys, what what does that make us? In our <laughs> I, know. I, know. I worried we, about this so hard. Table there? I was like, I just anybody who I, I don't know. I don't no, know. I just there was just everything they said. I was like, this is so boring. Why is this happening? Well, there was but a since- moment where the super fans had the scallop. And like this scallop dish is really dull, and I'm like, you're eating rotten scallops, and you think that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. dull? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's your palate. That's what I was thinking was if I'm in this situation, like, what am I going to say on camera that I will sound smart as compared <laughs> to that table of judges? I think the only answer is just to be like, guys, can you believe that we're eating in the same room as Padma and Tom right now? Like, yeah. How exciting is this? I guess I, yeah, I, I, there was just nobody had anything interesting to say it was like oh don't steal this pea puree it's so yummy like what are we doing yeah. why are you here <laughs> well since, but since we're on that let me just uh bring in a quick mailbag item from uh at marion kehoe on twitter who asks did we notice the easter egg in that restaurant of diners what's what? the easter egg like was there a literal easter egg was there somebody we should have seen that we didn't see Uh oh appearance from a future chef testant oh crumbs no show us the first table of super fans there's a guy sitting on the right hand side that is uh chef jason stretton of seattle who appeared on season 13 california he finished 10th not the most memorable run on top chef but (laughs) that's that's not that would have been hard to peep i mean great eyes that's an incredible spot (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I, I uh, yeah, I, I, I remember when I, there, there was a pan of the room. I was like, is that, do I look? I thought, does that guy look familiar to me? And then I was like, I've seen this episode before. Shut up. Uh, so that was my internal monologue. But apparently, with Chef Stratton from Seattle. Yeah, um, so yeah, good eyes. Familiar. 
Like yeah. I'm looking at pictures now. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. He was around briefly. Um, so then, uh, so the, those five were brought in. Uh, Brooke, Kristen, and Josh were the tops. Uh, Rotten Scallops and Uneven Risotto were on the bottom and were given the surprise 10th Kindle Fire. Can you believe they had 10 different tablets? And the well, she did tablet- say it had been long enough that I completely forgot about it. But know, she did say like yeah, we have like, a 10th season back. one, but I'll get to that later. It's coming up later. Yeah. So the, that's why there were only two bottoms because Lizzie and John have to uh, cook off with the 10th season memorable moment, of course, you've got spicy pickles. Why not just make a good burger? Um, so <laughs> they run off to make a good burger with spicy pickles. And John has begun his tailspin. Um, oh, yeah. It's a very fast. John, oh, yeah. John has been spiraling since he got called into the bottom. for and And he genuinely believes he should not have been in the bottom because he couldn't find a pan that was correct for him. I would wager that he started spiraling when he argued that his knife did cut the paper and <laughs> they like yeah. decided it wasn't really working. He for sure has been spiraling. And if his story that he tells us about him, like being kind of on, on we, we understand he's on a journey. We see him later and he's made some progress. This is a serious episode of backsliding and it is unpleasant to watch because he yeah. goes really off the deep end in the cook-off. He's so furious about having to make a burger. It's so he, crazy. He just He's like, yeah. I shouldn't have to cook with her. She made vile, rotten food. And I was like, dude, John, this is going to be on television. Like, yeah. <laughs> <not> like, <laughs> everyone needs to be like perfectly nice to each other all the time. But like, oh, yeah. dude. Well, well, I mean, and also speaking of villains, do we... Do- Dude, did we talk about Josh just pitching in with an, just a little jab there when he was on top and should have kept his mouth shut where he's like... Oh, oh, but here's the thing. I have a question about that because, yes, totally Josh came off also looking like a bit of a butt. But <laughs> it implied... I, I think it might be an editing thing because what John said after that implied that the judges asked Josh if he had pan problems and they just cut out them asking that. Oh, yeah. that would be yeah. so because devious. He said... He said Asking my competitor about that is a little bit jaded. Oh, okay. So maybe there's more deviousness there than I realized. Look, That's interesting. They both seem like jerks. Very mad at both of them. You leave my precious Lizzie oh. alone. But. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it is villainous, but if I was in Joss's position, like at the top, this dude that I pretty much hate based on a blood feud between Oklahoma and Texas like yes. was in the bottom i would take every opportunity to be like hey man i cooked a great dish with the same pots <laughs> well but you didn't because you had the pot so actually his point that was like there was one good pot i took it doesn't actually help your case that john couldn't do a good job <laughs> it yeah. was like there was one flat bottom pot and i wasted it on stock that's kind of a jerk move too yeah maybe but i also- don't think that's yeah. Does everyone from Oklahoma have to hate everyone from Texas? Because like, there's a lot of people in Texas. Oh my, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Texas is going to win, though, right? There's so much more of them. I mean, it depends on Oklahoma what you're that. Yeah. Well, if it was like a tug of war and you were all holding onto the panhandle, I think Texas would get it. I don't know. Oklahoma would just burn the panhandle. Like, I, there's a sense of like resentment in Oklahoma too, where like I they guess may also not... doesn't make sense then for a panhandle state for them to ask his opinion on how flat the pans were. Um, <laughs> so they have to do a cookoff of burgers. Uh, John continues his tail slide when uh, he asks if he can have some of Lizzie's dill and then just takes oh, the whole thing gosh. straight into his dish. Which he, he does makes- so many underhanded things. Like she's like 
at the fridge and he's just instead of going around he just shoves past her so many yep. times it was just and then, like and then they're both using an oven and he continually opens the door and just leaves the door of the oven open or the food ruiner sorry he's opening the food she, lizzie says uh can you can you shut it lovey like she's so like gentle with him considering and then in this talking edge he's like she was bitching and moaning and i'm like oh jesus john like <laughs> yeah Nope, it's that's really not bad. what happened, sir. We have the tapes. We have the tapes. I, I remember him being really nice because if I recall, he got the jar of pickles. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't have to share it with Lizzie. So okay. I don't know what you guys are talking well, about. Also, here. he could have won the challenge not by putting pickles on his dish, but by holding the jar of pickles so that sure. no one could get any okay, pickles. So this is, his argument is that he could have just held the jar, served nothing, and won and I did not read the long, whatever the disclaimer was. And if it said you have to be holding a pickle to, for it to work, maybe. But otherwise, this is a crazy fantasy that he has gone into. This is probably the nuttiest thing I've ever heard on this show is someone insisting he could just take the whole jar, stand at judge's table and go, ha ha, technicality, you go home. Like, what it's world just, would that make any you think these chefs who remember tom took away 10 grand because he hated everybody's food you don't think he could be like i'm changing the rules you pickle thief lose i uh, chef constantino would look up there and be like listen the guy's got a point i can't yeah. argue with this i select him <laughs> i mean that's the thing like i i mean i, I think this is probably you can see this coming but i i kind of like this tactic um <laughs> Uh, but I don't think it would work, but I do think if you don't have anything better to do, it is worth a try. <laughs> I actually, it's true. I think the tag, if he had just stolen all the pickles and tried that, I would like it more than him repeatedly telling to camera that he's a good guy because he didn't do the thing that everyone knows would have been crazy and wouldn't have worked. I, I would this also take like, a, yeah. a, a pickle treasure hunt. Maybe if you just like, look, Lizzie, I will give you pickles, but I've hidden them strategically around this kitchen. Here is a set of clues. Best of luck. We'll attach to it to find the next clue, next pickle. Man, what a what a ending for him. What a what a spiral out of control. Just mm -hmm. just burns up. And un, um, actually, making this whole thing more stressful but happier in the long run. Megan told me for sure she remembered John winning this burger challenge. Oh Us no. Too. So, where my brain came up with that and i was just like i think i was just resigned to like the inherent yeah unfairness I mean, of it all yeah there's so many times where pessimism is right on the show but she was like i remember this john wins and so i was just so pissed the whole time and then when everyone voted for lizzie it felt like we'd overturned history yes though i also had this idea that he just like lasted forever somehow yeah. and it was so nice that he didn't yeah he didn't he's gone episode 10 Episode nine, he's gone. It's great. So John is eliminated for his lamb not being moist, and not just by a little. He is unanimously outvoted. Uh, the chicken burger um, with no bun destroyed him in his uh, his not moist lamb burger, and he's that lamb burger no looked so over garnished and no, so crazy big. Like yeah. what? Not how I would do it. Egg on it. How dare you? Even though Wolfgang, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> we start laughing so hard because they walk the burgers in and Wolfgang goes, "I smell egg." <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "How is that healthy?" And John's, you know, fair point. It's like seventy or eighty calories. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. You know, like, like, how could you serve me an egg? They're off limits. 
he did say the point was I used the leanness of this. Like, why not keep seventy calories worth of the the fat on it so that it was moist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it didn't it work was, though. It, it didn't. It did not work at all. Um, so John is gone. Kristen's got fifteen thousand dollars, and then we are off to uh, Last Chance Kitchen, where John has to cook off against CJ's terror of four episodes. Uh, you have fifteen minutes to shop, two hours stuck in Seattle traffic, and then thirty minutes. To make anything you want on the shittiest pans a PA could find at neighborhood garage sales that weekend, which I got to say, guys, I always like I, I love the way Last Chance Kitchen uses the thing you messed up on. But this one was especially delightful <laughs> after you whined about unflat pots to be like, oh, yeah, how would you like these? The worst pans we've ever seen. And to have each old Chef Testin dramatically come by one by one I'd and like throw them onto the table. <laughs> yeah. I love CJ you like know? knowing this was coming once they got like the problem. He's like, I know John said something stupid to piss Tom off. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I haven't loved Big Siege all the time this season. He's had some real downs, but that wasn't up for me. That was yeah, very funny. That's great. The the only part about the pan challenge that I did not like is that when they like laid them all out, it looked a lot like our pans. Yes, same. I was like, okay, well, fuck you too, I guess. Top <laughs> yeah, listen, our knives are not what you would regard as sharp. Our pans yeah, are not in the best it. shape. Well, CJ's handle melts off of one of his pans. That literally happened to me two weeks ago. Oh no! Damn it! It was a new pan. It was a new pan. Yeah, look, it was $3, but it was a yeah. brand new $3 pan, and the handle slid off in my hand. It was very surprising. Slid off? Like, <laughs> it, was slowly, it was slowly melting, so it kind of went, boom. Wow. <laughs> Just, that's so alarming. Well, it was terrifying. Can you um, shove it into a knife somehow? Because if it's not going <laughs> to... Like, I mean, we, there is that one guy on YouTube who turns everything into a knife. I'm sure you've seen yes. that guy. Give it to yes. him. I'll send him my crappy $3 pan. Um, the uh, one funny thing about this, too, is that they were given, they were like, you can make, Tom said, you can make anything that you want. So both of them bought the most expensive ingredients. They oh, were foie gras, wow. lobster, scallops, caviar. Yeah. It, it was, was so gross. Like, I was like, anything, and you both combine seafood with duck liver, which is or yeah. goose liver. It's so gross. <laughs> it's also um, kind of a classist nightmare. I don't. I yeah. mean, it's just yeah. it. Yeah, it's not. It's not making any statements. I enjoy about any people or their resources. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it both seem gross. Although the thing that CJ was most excited about it was to pour a gallon and a half of chili oil over it at the <laughs> end. That's the only thing that would get me to eat foie gras. I mean, I yeah, this does not seem appealing, especially cooked badly on bad pans. But um, he did have this dashi with mango that he was like, actually, the reason he was excited and it apparently was good enough. He edged out John's corn velite. Um, one thing um, I don't know, I'm going to put this into the show notes. I'm sure somebody could find this for us. It's uh, but there is a um, There's this very brief moment that Megan caught in Last Chance Kitchen, and I just need a little detective help, which is where we see the table where they are doing their mise en place. And on the bottom of the table, there is a framed photograph of a man in a suit. What? With his arms folded. And um, actually, I'll I'll throw this in the um, episode guide so you guys can look at it if you're there. Um, But it is 
super unclear who this guy is. I have no idea who he is. I'm really curious. It's just so prominent. And I'm sure it's like a joke the PAs are making or something to each other. But um, wow. I was I'm super curious. So if you guys huh. can take when uh, if you if you at home can go into the show notes and take a look at this photo of the uh, framed suit guy. Would it maybe be to- like Craig Last Chance, the founder of Last Chance Kitchen? <laughs> mm. Finally. I just want it to be a person like Tim. Love that rapscallion. <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. So I've put this in the Last Chance Kitchen section of the show notes. If you want to look at it, guys, when it's there. Yes. Cool. Anyway, I don't I don't know if this will do anything for you, but it's just, it's just so funny. And Megan just yelled, who is that guy? And it was very. Oh my very gosh! Um, so, Who is that guy? Yeah. What yeah, is it? I like it if it's John wow. Last Chance. Um. I mean, wow. I uh, this reminds me. I did pause our episode to. This was not Last Chance Kitchen. It was the main business, but I did pause because I all of the table runners at the uh, Palace, Palace Ballroom. Ballroom needed to be ironed, and yes, <laughs> I have turned in to my mom. I didn't ever care about this before, but I was like, this is unbelievably tacky. All of these like they fold knew marks. They would be on television. They knew they would be on television. Is and they what? did so many overhead shots of these tables. And it was just these terrible satiny runners with all of these big fold marks all over them. And I was like, what? What? Why are you doing this to me? Um, I think I know who that person is. Who is it? <gasps> I think that might be Auntie Cohen. Uh, oh, from um, from watch, watch what happens. It's a Bravo moment. He's like uh, was a Bravo exec before uh, he moved into the entertainment well world be. by giving him a Totally right. That could just be a joke. Yeah. Listen, it's possible, but just to be a dissenting voice, I think it's John Tesar. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, um, it, yeah. Speaking of, so uh, last thing about John, and then we're gonna get, gotta get into our quick mini segments and get out of here. But um, John, when he first gets eliminated, says he, you know, he's gonna go home and hang out with his family. And then when he goes to last chance kitchen and he, and he loses, he's like, "Well, I get to go home and hang out with my family." Um, you don't, John. You live in the suburbs now. Um, you don't. He said he's going home like ten times, as if he didn't notice all of the eliminated chefs on the stools right there. Yeah. But how did you not realize they're still in in food prison? They don't, you know, you don't get to go. I'm betting they get more phone calls home from the birds. That's probably true. That is probably true. Um, okay, so t- three more things we got to do. Uh, let's wrap up the villain update. Let's let's tally up the totals for villain update today. So um, Josh says he knows how to break down a cat and was a bit of a butt at judge's table. Um, John does the whole bananas pickle thing. Um, he. Uh, uh, oh, he uh, claim he's he he insists he's the first person to hire B- Bourdain. Um, he Not says he's the first, be- but that he did hire. Yeah, him. He bragged about hiring Bourdain. Um, and that Sears. Bourdain, <laughs> Sears, yeah. Um, John. Oh, he uh, he's mad at the pan. Uh, he takes all the dill. Um, anyway, so that's a lot on uh, John there. And um, one minor thing from Josie. Um, which is oh yeah this is a small uh, actually i'll do two two male things okay so so john and josh have the big ones obviously john has the most points from that sleeping on stefan's where when the top three come back and explain what's going on his only question is so i'm not on the bottom (laughs) i feel like i get that 
he must have been so stressed out. I don't. I I didn't read that as stressed out. I read that as like I don't have to care about anything else. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Like, I'm not gonna win and I'm not gonna lose. Okay. Let me yep. drink a Stella. Okay. Yeah, we'll give one point for him for that for sure. But um, on the on the other hand, we did see him slather his entire head in wrinkle cream at the beginning of the episode. Oh uh, yeah. He, he used, he used a some serum made out of like penguins. <laughs> it could have been. Yeah, this is penguin oil that I use to keep my head fresh. Um, <laughs> sure. It's very possible. Um, from the mailbag, uh, two quick things to add to the villain update. First, Allison on Facebook says, um, I'm a couple episodes behind on your rewatch, but I'm starting to remember why I think I liked Stefan this season. Mm, right? Mm. Mm. I an asshole who knows he's an asshole. No apologies, all asshole. And um, uh, Allison was nice enough to do a star star hole because, you, like we said, you can swear in the mailbag, but you're required to feel bad. And she put in parentheses, I do actually feel bad. Um, <laughs> Josh, on the other hand, she continues, um, Josh, on the other hand, I liked at first, but by the end, he was the worst uh, because he's an asshole who thinks he's a nice guy. So he's got nice yeah. guy syndrome. I'm not entirely sure how I'd feel about either of them in real life, but give me a Stefan over a Josh any day on reality TV. And give me absolutely no Josies. Yeah, zero um, Josies, please. Not excusing I, I think some nice guy syndrome is an excellent party. term. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Oh, I just said I think nice guy syndrome is an excellent term. Yeah, I don't like a person who thinks they're a hero and is wrong. That's pretty gross. Or even just thinks like, oh, I'm pretty great. Like, I mean, you don't even have to think you're a full hero. I think if you're just like, I'm, I, I'm a person everybody's pretty into. And you're actually pretty much a tool. Like... Yeah. That's that's rough stuff. Um, I can definitely see that. I, I don't know what John thinks of himself, but he is definitely the worst of the three. Um, so, oh yeah, one other mailbag. This is great. Okay, so this is from Rebecca via email. Came in at the last second. Who said I wanted to share this article below? Apparently, Josie is currently running for mayor of her town. What? Aw. Huh. Thank you guys so much for podcasting season 10. It's been so needed during the quarantine. Um, so I read this article. I'll put it in the show notes. But uh, it turns out... I mean, that's the beans one. Um, Wilton Manors in South Florida is the town where Josie lives. And she's currently running for mayor on a platform of, quote, bringing the community together, propelling the city forward, representing diversity, offering a fresh perspective, and creating tangible results. Hmm. So if you are a resident of Wilton Manors and would like to vote for tangible results... I love tangible um, results. <laughs> not a felon. Vote for a long Rebecca list of things. Josie is a complicated figure. I have to say, I just don't. I don't know how. I like. I genuinely don't know how to feel about Josie. Yeah, and it's hard from a reality TV perspective to picture her like in some sort of like small town executive role. But you know, maybe. I think I read that she had COVID twice or something. Whoa. Oh no, Josie, no, you're, you're, you're the thing we're all afraid can happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't see that. That's terrible. Um, I would not wish that on. I, I don't. It does not seem like she'd be a good mayor. Organization is not always her best thing on this show. A um, lot of raw enthusiasm, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a lot of mayors are kind of a it's more of a ceremonial cheerleadery type position like schmoozing yeah yeah she does like putting on the show um for sure um let's see yeah um i don't know i don't think i could uh see her in that role but it's interesting uh tested positive twice does not mean she had it twice 
Um, but probably had it once. Yeah, but almost certainly had it once. Um, oh, that's what, in fact, that's what inspired her to run for mayor is um, five days of losing her sense of taste and smell. Um, interesting. Uh, so anyway, well, I, I uh, hope she's fully recovered and I assume she will not win. Anyway, um, so that's the villain updates. Clearly, John, I think, has taken the prize for me. Any dissent on that? No, not just for this episode, possibly all season. Yeah, he. It's it's just bad news. I'm I'm glad that he seemed a little bit subdued when he came back for Last Chance Kitchen. Kyle and I were saying maybe someone, one of the producers, showed him some of the clips they'd gotten, and we're like, I mean, <laughs> it's your choice, dude. How you want to keep going? <laughs> you do know that we're taping this, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's I mean, we're gonna. Re- he was on Charleston too, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Kyle and I never finished that season, so I think we're gonna do a rewatch of that after we finish this. And I am intrigued to see how how John has has progressed because he also just makes me so genuinely sad that I want him to do better. Well, um, yeah. He, I mean, his his he's like hard to root for getting better, but because he doesn't have a lot of self awareness yet. But if he does get that later, it'll be better. Megan did actually like read the whole um, most hated chef in Dallas article. And yeah. that he referred to as a lot of backhanded compliments. And that was that what you found? I mean, they mentioned that he was talented several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really, I mean, if you guys just really want to feel sad, go ahead and read that one. <laughs> oh, no. There are a couple of especially sad things that I don't even want to talk about. But he did, um, he was mostly drinking on the job and throwing cutlery at people, which is not a backhanded compliment. Oh, Jesus. John. Oh, John. <sighs> yeah. Ah. Uh, it really comes off suck from that article, I thought. Oh, well, mm-hmm. some complicated feelings are arising. But anyway, I guess we'll report yeah. back on Charleston. <laughs> but all of this, like, you can, like, learn. And actually, we, we did look at, I also looked at Jimmy Sears in the book. And basically what Bourdain says about him is that he's, like, incredibly talented and constantly self, uh, self um, undermining. Sabotage. Self-sabotaging, yeah. So, it was, yeah, it was basically like, I've never seen a chef so talented who could undermine himself at every possible opportunity. Oh, so. Oh. Yeah, it's just upsetting. He's it's such got a bummer. He's got a lot of. Sarah and I watched um, the exit interview from the Charleston season of of uh, of John's, and uh, oh yeah, and, like, it, it felt it was it was interesting. It's, it's still it's still him, but it's, it's definitely different. It's like definitely some steps ahead for sure. Yeah, I mean, I just wish he'd gone through all of this journey a little bit earlier, but I'm glad he's doing it. I'm Last sure he week. does too. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Probably. Before we go, last thing I want to do, I want to ask for the Seattle residents, former Seattle residents from Tall to Trenta, how, how Seattle was today's episode. Mm. There's the knife guy, and there's a brief glimpse of Jason Stratton. And, <laughs> this is a short, then, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd yeah. say this is a short, and somebody spilled some out of that cup already. <laughs> it's a short with room. So not, it had a little bobble on its way to being served. Yeah. Not known for knives is is what you want to say. Like, don't don't yeah. go to Seattle for knives. No, this is one of those like you know Top Chef Seattle. Like one of the reasons why you know the Seattle folks especially feel so maligned about the city is like you know this is a great opportunity to again show something about the city. But they're like, hey, you know what's great? The nine other places we've been. Yeah, that's you know? true. And then and also this is like the sh- I think one of the shortest times they spend in the city because they do that intermediary between the. F- Seattle and the final finale in Alaska where they're on a cruise ship for three days. So running out of time for Seattle things. So it does seem like they just did not find a lot. Yeah. I feel like I have so many questions about how this all came together the way that it did that I don't think anyone's going to answer, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a disappointment. I wonder 
also a course correction with the Austin season where like everything was like gaudily Texas. Like they had an episode about Pee Wee Herman, like the Pee Wee movie, and then yeah. chili challenges. Like it seemed like yeah, the they had to like physically ride bikes through Austin. Like there was a lot of wasn't that that season yeah. where they had yeah. that like biking challenge that really yeah. stressed me out? It was very stressful. I wonder, yeah, I just think they kind of went too hard in Texas and then they sort of said, like, let's just do stuff that people like. Right. <laughs> Cruise ships? <Yeah. laughs> I mean, this season feels like also they needed money worse than they have on other seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the cruise ship one is is gross. Uh, I mean, it's funny. I, I the cruise ship is a funny but disgusting couple of episodes. But watching the well, judges, well, pretend, watch them, so. what? I just said we're gonna watch them. So yeah, yeah. Have, I'm looking forward to that again. But the judges like having to pretend they thought it was cool to be on this ship is really funny. But it does seem like maybe this season is a little more funded than other seasons. Like through all these parts, this is the one with the Top Chef wine in the background, and the Top Chef healthy choice meals, and. This is a lot of it. There's a lot of SpawnCon so far. Um, any last thoughts before we get out of here? Um, next week is the beginning of the two-part Restaurant Wars. So yeah. the, the horrible... I mean, Bite of Seattle is pretty Seattle-y, where they yeah. got to you know, be in Seattle Center in the shadow of the Space Needle and throw bites of food at people. I uh-huh. feel like this is a thing that we did before we did Restaurant Weeks, in a way, where it was like, what if we made all of our restaurants cater in one yes. location? Yeah. And then we were like, or we could just encourage people to go to the restaurants where they actually have kitchens. I hadn't like, thought of those as like connected, but boy, Restaurant Week is so much better. Yeah. Where instead of waiting in line for 40 minutes to get a single bite of something. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't, it actually doesn't make that much sense as a, like, as a way to do it when you could just be like, and come to my restaurant and have a prefix menu. And then you'll know that this restaurant is a place you could go. Yeah. And then, well, is, so does Seattle do, and do uh, have other cities taken the thing? Portland is really into a specific food for a week. Oh. So like burger week is, is like, I've never seen a thing stop a city the way burger week stops Portland. Um, but so burger week is like every place that makes a burger in the city gets involved and has a specialty burger that is $5 and wow. And people, and then, then the local all weekly publishes them like the guide to 200 different $5 burgers you can get around town. But it's like every place you, every bar you go to, the whole food menu is gone and it's just this one burger for five bucks and people destroy themselves on it. And it was such a big success. There's also nacho week and pizza week and a couple of other weeks where that's everyone's got a specialty nacho or special like LA has a burger I week also, guys. Yeah, yeah well, not, I mean it was a successful plan, so I'm not surprised, but that's kind of an interesting If New York did this, we didn't know about it, but that doesn't really mean anything. I'm not sure New York did that. But um, restaurant yeah. week or, or restaurant wars coming up, or at least in the run up to it, uh is this always seems, fun. Yeah, yeah. Even though this execution of restaurant wars seems extremely cringy. Yeah, it's it not like- the, it's going to be the same as this past season. Yeah, you do the the pitch version where you, I mean it'll be we won't, we won't have the entrepreneur right. Um, yeah, there's or, not an angle that way. It's instead of making a mood board, you cater a that's like, what it is. There's no mood board, a gigantic event, and then you open a restaurant. Right, it's like I just want to lie down hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of them picking their favorite dishes to be the heads of restaurants. I, there's something fun about that to me. Um, in a two episode part, but yeah, I, and I, yeah, there's some, we got some cringes in our future guys. Oh boy. So pack up your thousand dollar chef knives and get ready because it's going to be rough. 
so part two inch chef knives. That's 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 like a, that's a bargain. Okay, <laughs> that's true. You're right. <laughs> um, or your quarter inch knife that's useful for cutting, I guess, into the kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a kiwi scoring knife. <laughs> all right well i have nature's cleanse to get to so um i'm gonna go off and eat some bad scallops do you guys have any other thoughts for us for this week good luck <laughs> all right good luck is our final word uh thank you so much for joining us uh we will be back again next week with the with episode 10 with the first half of restaurant wars um, you can find all the notes of the stuff we talked about on our uh, show notes on packyourmics.com. You can also send us feedback, Facebook, Twitter, or email uh, mailbag at packyourmics.com. We love to hear from all of you. We love to work all of your feedback into the show. It's been really fun watching the season with everybody. Um, Chris. Y- y- yes? Bad news, buddy. What? I need you to do an emergency cook-off, but you can't have any pickles. Well, no, I, I could just hold the pickles. Oh, no, no, I don't I need to cook with them. So you're automatically re-eliminated. Ah, dang Tanya, it. Tanya kept the pickles. I didn't tell you this earlier, but Tanya... Oh, yeah, I just stood in the corner with the pickles and was like, I'm winning the challenge. I'm winning the challenge. <laughs> it was brutal, but it worked. So I'm sorry, Bladesmith. You got to get out of here. Um, thanks for joining us, uh, Ez and Sarah. Yeah. And thanks for joining us, Tanya. Doodle pip. And Chris. Uh, and thanks for joining us, uh, New Sarah and Kyle. Glad to he- hear from you guys again. Thank you. We're going to go bandage our chip mouths. <laughs> it's tricky, but is that Band-Aid work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is- <laughs> you got to get waterproof ones. Anyway, uh, kettle chips for life. Um, thanks for hanging out, Megan. Thank you, Alex. All right. We'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Bye.